This is the Amazing People Horror Stories Podcast. Hello, I'm Robert Crandall, derelict ne'er-do-well, pathetic psychopath, and detestable scumbag. Huh? Wait just a minute. Who wrote that on there? <laughs> we have some new writers here at the asylum, and they're playing tricks on me. I'll get to the bottom of this, and when I do, heads are going to roll. Well, I'm so glad you're here, and I hope no one's playing tricks on you. On this episode, we have a horror word of the day and a listener nightmare that is very chilling. And our feature story. Well, it's not a story. Instead, we have an Edgar Allan Poe poem. Our listener nightmare comes from Zachary of Canada. Dear Robert, hope you are truly, sincerely well. Let me start out by saying how very thankful I am that you continue to break up the vexing monotony of the grueling day-to-day by offering such craft as you do. My name is Zachary from Canada. I have so often enjoyed many of the length of your back catalog, but my favorites undoubtedly are as follows. Skulls in the Stars by Robert E. Howard. By the way, that's episode number 80. The Vampire Made by Hume Nesbitt. Great episode as well. It has no episode number, but it was published November 2nd, 2016. Then he says, The Enemy of All the World by Jack London, which is episode number 126, which this story is one of my favorites. In this story, a man who was abused as a child finds a way to make guns fire remotely and seeks revenge for his tortured childhood by blowing up munition depots and, and many more, creating much havoc throughout the world. It's a very disturbing story. So anyway, he says, and last but not least, Man's Size in Marble. Ooh, that's a chilling story, and that's episode number 112. And he says, each as chilling as the last. And I'm so very grateful to have been introduced to such macabre tales by someone of your vocal wit. I also deeply enjoy your various renditions of the great powerful pieces of Lovecraft, Blackwood, and Poe, as well as innumerable others. Wow. Thank you so much, Zach, for those kind words. Well, I very much appreciate that. His dream is about a witch, and this is very chilling dream. So our horror word of the day is witch, spelled W-I-T-C-H, defined as a woman thought to have magical powers, especially evil ones, and usually depicted as wearing a black cloak and a pointed hat and flying on a broomstick. So that is our horror word of the day. And now... Zachary's Nightmare, titled The Nightmare of the Witch in the Woods. I stared outwards from inside a small portion of an unzipped tent 
had a pair of gleaming animal eyes in the distance of dark woods abound, shining reflective like a dog's eyes if someone was to hold a flashlight beam to them, when suddenly a blood-curdling scream, not quite animalistic, but not all the way human either, pierced the night. I zip-closed the tent and turned in terror to my two companions, a man and a woman, both lying down in separate sleeping bags on the floor of the tent, and both sharing a look akin to that of my very own terror. The man eventually, working up the courage to spit out the words, Nope, animals, nope, and promptly zipped his sleeping bag up over his head. Morning flashed. In an instant, our tent was packed within our bags, and we departed in a direction we deemed to be away from the foul scream we had endured the night before. After walking through the woods for a while, we came across a small square-like clearing, bordered by forest on two sides and a hill on the other two. On the far side of the clearing, there loomed a small ramshackle house made of darkish wood and lay overgrown with sinister mosses. Closest to us and built directly into the hill was a barn of approximately two stories tall with a small glass window on the slope of either side of the roof. Utilizing the hill's incline, my companions and I ascended the roof and peered downwards through the cloud-speckled glass into the barn below, which was stacked nearly full of an abundance of bales of hay pressed tightly together. Closer to the back of the barn, and upon this large stack of crop, there was a peculiar smaller stack with something sitting on top of it, though we couldn't quite make out what it was. We each peered in closer in a shared attempt to obtain a better view of whatever it was, and upon closer inspection, it appeared to be a throne-like chair made entirely of hay bound together by rope, but we were still unsure of what the object that sat within it was, until one by one we each came to an appalling realization it appeared to be a naked man, or at least the skin of a naked man, rotten, yellow, green, and apparently hollowed out, so as if it could be stuffed with hay. Its bulky legs were spread wide, and its emaciated, shriveled arms nailed downward against its own damnable throne, in a position as if it were basking in the blitz and warmth of a sunny day. All the while its empty eyes stared up through the dirty glass of the window panes and into our very souls, as if someone, it saw us, staring down upon it, its once human face now twisted and warped and stitched into place, until it no longer resembled that of a man, but held more in common with that of a farmyard pig, as its snout reached outwards of three inches from its own brow line. Simultaneously, we shot backwards in futile hopes of shielding our eyes from this heinous sight we had each observed. But before we could, one final detail revealed itself to our panicked, shrieking brains, one that we wished we had not seen above any else. 
erupting sideways from where they had been embedded in its unseen back, shot six large rib bones, protruding forth from its wrinkled and rotted flesh. Angled upwards like a pair of demoniac wings, outstretched and lying in wait. Each of us exchanged glances of absolute and utter horror before jumping with hateful and dizzying fervor off the barn roof, one by one, down onto the grassy hill, still shaking from what we had just witnessed. We glared as if drawn by a dark magnet toward the direction of the sickly, sullen shack, only a few yards from where we stood. And as we stared, we saw the rotted pile of wood in a wholly new and horrific light. To gaze upon it was like seeing something materialized from pure nightmare, and yet one knew with certainty only a dream can summon, that this thing before us was real, as was the danger we found ourselves in. We stood shaking, frozen by this ultimate terror, until we heard a faint noise behind us. We each turned slowly to the place of its origin, and there, behind the row of weary pines, knelt an old woman, a filthy, dirty, gnarled old witch of a woman, she was hunched down, digging in the dirt with all the animalistic fury of a rabid dog. And as she dug wildly, her strange clothes seemed animated, as if by the chill winds of a malign and insane specter. A long, swaying garment, composed entirely of human hair, as if sewn together by their very scalps, whipped wildly as she shoveled the dirt through her legs behind her. But far worse than the filth or garment were the six long, prominent rib bones angled upwards and protruding from her back, just as before, just as the unfathomably wretched wings of the skin man. My group exchanged glances of complete and paralyzing panic until, as one, we began to notice that one of our group, the man, was shaking uncontrollably, suffering extreme mannerisms far more severe than I or the woman exhibited. He was extremely pale, when suddenly, without warning, he began to mutter over and over the same few words, with increasing volume upon each repetition, I, I need to talk to her. I need to talk to her. I need to talk to her. We looked at him as if he had gone insane, and no doubt he had. He then turned and began walking towards the vile old woman who lay mere feet away, still digging manically in her dirt. I shot a glance at my last sane companion, and we silently decided it was well within our best interest to get away from this place as quickly as humanly possible. We began sprinting for the tree line in the opposite direction of the hag and the shell of our fell friend. Neither of us could bear to watch what we knew was about to befall our comrade, and within seconds we were hit with a wave of certain realization that he was dead. We felt his death in the air, as sure as one knows that they themselves are alive. We knew 
that he was now dead. We hastened our already inhuman speed. Faster and faster we ran. But at once we felt a new presence dogging our frantic scrambling. It was the old woman, the hag, the witch. Undoubtedly pursuing us with supernatural speed, neither of us would turn to see her. Yet we knew she was there nonetheless. No fewer than two meters behind us and quickly gaining speed. I turned to my companion, who was running beside me, and saw tears streaming down her cheeks. When she met my eyes, she pointed at a large oak that marked the end of the clearing of which we were approaching at mounting speed, and she cried out with an overwhelming presence of fear, possessing her trembling voice, She's going to hang me from that tree, but was cut off by her sudden disappearance. She was there one moment and gone the next. I didn't look away or even blink for a second, but she was gone, vanished. Without pausing a moment in my sprint, I quickly snapped my head around to gaze at the tree my companion had been pointing at a moment prior to her disappearance, and was mortified when, to my debilitating horror, high, high in the grate of the enormous oak, I observed her empty skin hanging limply against the trunk of the towering tree, skewered by means of a large iron nail stuck through her vacant eye socket. I looked away almost as soon as I had caught a glimpse of it, hoping not to capture any detail of pain or suffering that was sure to be present in her drooping, fleshy face, and without hesitating, broke through the tree line into the woods still at full speed. I was completely silent aside from my heavy footsteps and panicked breathing as I sprinted through the harsh thicket which snapped and clawed at my shielding arms. After a time, I came to a wide stream, and without stopping for even a moment or losing a hint of speed, I decided my best course of action was to hop from stone to stone until I was across, the only way I could keep up my pace without being slowed by the water. But by my second leap, I flew too far, too much momentum, and plummeted into the cold weight of the water, banging my knee off a submerged rock. I wasted no time, and almost as soon as it happened, I was scrambling on all fours to get out of the water to the other side of the creek. For all I knew at any second, she was going to grab me by the scruff of my neck and simply whisk me away to some appalling skinless fate, to lie forever in tree or barn. When I made the stony beach of the adjacent creek bed, I hoisted myself up and continued sprinting through the trees until I found myself falling and landing hard, downwards approximately eight feet, until I came to the stony bottom of the chasm with a painful thud. I bolted upright in a frenzied panic and noticed there was a rotted wooden ladder in front of me, stretching up out of the chasm, though it only had four boards and the third being out of my reach if I didn't give it a hearty jump. Wasting no time, I quickly placed my foot upon the first board and, to my dismay, watched as it crumbled. 
for the wood was rotted and riddled with mold and moss. My breathing began to intensify as I gripped the second plank with my outstretched hand, and my heart sank, as it, too, turned to waterlogged shards in my hands. In apparent denial of surrender, I made one final attempt and jumped at the third board, but the second my palm came in contact with it, it too was reduced to mere splinters. My muscles fell limp, and my body sagged. I knew I was out of luck, and the fourth board was well out of my reach and was most likely equally as rotten. I threw my head left, but saw nothing but more chasm stretching on for an infinity, and then right to see the same when to my immense misfortune I saw something humanoid and black move in behind me that didn't appear to be touching the ground. I awoke, dripping with sweat, wholly out of breath, and wiping tears from my eyes. I hope you enjoyed. Best wishes, Zach. Wow. Whoa. Thank you, Zach, for sending in that, <laughs> that, that awesome, awesome nightmare. Uh, I'm trembling, and I, well, wow, what, what, a, what a great nightmare that one was. I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry you had that, actually. I, I hope, wow, hope I don't have one like that. I have some, oh, man, oh, man. Anyway, if you want your nightmare read on the show, send it to myhorribledream at gmail.com. Up next, a classic poem by Edgar Allan Poe called Annabelle Lee. After this. Not all encounters end up in the news. Some are passed down from family. Some are kept hidden in journals, and some are reported on the Nightmare Society podcast. On the Nightmare Society, we share your true horror stories. Chilling accounts of home invasions, attempted kidnappings, obsessive stalkers, and even close calls with convicted murderers before they landed on a most wanted list. So come join us if you dare, because the scariest stories are the ones that really happen. It was many and many a year ago, in a kingdom by the sea, that a maiden there lived, whom you may know, by the name of Annabelle Lee. And this maiden she lived with no other thought than to love and be loved by me. I was a child, and she was a child, in this kingdom by the sea. But we loved with a love that was more than love, I and my Annabelle Lee. With a love that winged seraphs of heaven coveted her and me. And this was the reason that long ago, in this kingdom by the sea, a wind blew out of a cloud, chilling my beautiful Annabelle Lee so that her high-born kinsman came and bore her away from me to shut her up in a sepulcher in this kingdom by the sea. 
the angels not half so happy in heaven when envying her and me. Yes, that was the reason, as all men know, in this kingdom by the sea, that the wind came out of the cloud by night, chilling and killing my Annabelle Lee. But our love, it was stronger by far than the love of those who were older than we, of many far wiser than we, and neither the angels in heaven above nor the demons down under the sea can ever deserver my soul from the soul of the beautiful Annabel Lee. For the moon never beams without bringing me dreams of the beautiful Annabelle Lee, and the stars never rise, but I feel the bright eyes of the beautiful Annabelle Lee. And so all the night time, I lie down by the side of my darling, my darling, my life and my bride, in her sepulcher there by the sea, in the tomb by the sounding sea. You've been listening to Annabelle Lee by Edgar Allan Poe, who once said, Sleep, those little slices of death, how I loathe them. I've enjoyed being with you, and I hope to be with you again soon. Please be well, and thank you for listening to me.